Welcome to the Third Eye Wellness Podcast. My name is Nia Carrillo, a holistic nutritionist and energy worker based in San Diego, California. I'm sharing all my best tips and strategies for those wanting to connect deeper to their body and soul. Each week, you'll hear musings from me and guest experts in their field, as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life now so you can live a more conscious lifestyle. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hello and welcome to your latest episode of the Third Eye Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Nia Carrillo, and if you are new here and this is the first episode you're ever tuning into, welcome. If you are not new here, welcome back and thank you so much for tuning in again. If you were here last week, I discussed the inner child and I said that I was going to create a series on this topic and dissect the process of inner child healing as much as I could. And so here I am doing that now in the second episode where we are connecting it to our divine feminine and the mother wound, which there's a lot of overlap and how this manifests in the body, which is all of what we'll go into depth with today. I want to preface this with I am not a licensed therapist, counselor, doctor. This is all coming from my knowledge as an energy healer, which I have tons of training in this area, and also as my work as a nutritionist where I see these relationships to food, our body, our emotions root from inner child healing or the need for inner child healing. And a lot of it comes from our relationship to our parents and what we experience as children when we witness the dynamic of mom and dad and how we took in that information and how it shows up today in our habits, our health habits, our relationship patterns, and all of that. So If there's something that you're like, I'm not quite sure of that, or I've never heard that, or I've never heard energy explained in that way, feel free to question me or challenge me if it's something that you had never heard prior to this. I'm simply giving you my perspective and through all the various ways I've been trained. So maybe you'll learn something new here. So I encourage you to keep an open mind. This episode is going to be really amazing for those individuals who find themselves feeling physically rigid or tense or even emotionally and energetically rigid and tense because this is all about leaning into that flow, the softness going from doing to being because that's all about what feminine energy is about. So we'll dive into what the divine feminine is and what the mother wound looks like and also how this can be experienced both in a physical and emotional sense. And again, you'll see that overlap where these two sometimes overlap with each other. Just because you have maybe an imbalance with your divine feminine does not necessarily equate to you must have a mother wound. It could be a root cause of it, but it doesn't mean it is that. So I want to preface that. And also, too, anytime I talk about the inner child or healing any type of relationship to the inner child and maybe involving looking at the scope and practices of how your parents were in your childhood, this is not about blaming them or 
seeing them as a potential threat or that they didn't have your best interest and they were the reason to blame. This is about just taking an outsider's or maybe an outside point of view, if you will, where we're observing where we can understand ourselves better. This is never intended to attack our parents, especially if you're new to the practice of inner child healing or even just examining the inner you that maybe roots from your experiences as a child. So never, never, never are we attacking and dissing mom and dad, okay? So I'll start off with just like a little overview of how and why I believe the inner child is important. I talked a lot about this, like I said, last episode. So go check that out because I dive into the specifics of how inner child healing is really essential to our health journey, how I'm really passionate about driving the science and the data that supports these energetic reprogramming and this energetic effect on our physical health, mind-body connection. So I dive into that. So I guess I'll start with like where I started to see this connection with the divine feminine and our mother and how it plays into food because this is a huge way that I've noticed and why as a nutritionist I even kind of started to broaden my scope of practice with my clients because I found there was this huge missing gap. It all started when I understood what the ACE study was, the adverse childhood experiences. Again, talk about that in the last episode. So if you want to know what that is, go back there and then come back to this. But I found this overlap where the relationship to food, I could almost always ask someone like if they had an unhealthy relationship to food, that they would then have some type of compromised relationship to their mother. And I started to catch on to this really quickly because then I even stepped back for myself as someone who in the past really struggled with diets and my relationship to my body and just being scared to eat a freaking ice cream cone or have any type of coffee or latte other than black coffee with nothing in it. Someone who really struggled with a relationship to food and had lots of orthorexic tendencies. I understood also too that I had a deep wound with my mother as I was given up at birth. And so I started to notice this overlap of food being a source of pleasure, but being the only source of pleasure for someone who is abusing their relationship to food. So when I say that, I mean, food's okay to be a source of pleasure. It's supposed to nourish us. I hope when you eat your breakfast, lunch, and dinner that you truly enjoy liking it. A big thing that diet culture has trained us to believe that it's bad. Food is just fuel. And that is a lie. Breastfeeding is a really big way that that combats that lie because that is a way in which a mother bonds with her infant, even if she was feeding the baby a bottle. This is a time where that chest and that heart connection where there's skin to skin contact, they even have dads rip off their shirts so that they can feed the baby. So they're receiving that nourishment and they attach it to pleasure. So then when we're adults, we're told that it's bad to like your food. It's bad to really enjoy it. And we create shame and guilt. And that is really more to do with our relationship to pleasure. 
which has a lot to do with the divine feminine. And I'm just throwing out little things that I've noticed along the years is those people who, the people who really, really struggle with their relationship to food also struggle with their relationship to pleasure and other areas of their life. And I mentioned this in one of my last episodes of having this like, like being wound up energy of like not feeling safe to be intimate or have issues with sexual intimacy, which is another way as humans, we receive pleasure. So I've seen also a large overlap with people who struggle with their relationship to food also struggle with their relationship to sex or feeling that sexual connection with their partner. So this is really just about diving more into having a healthier relationship to the divine feminine, but this can also come from what is the relationship we have to our mom. So let's just go straight into it, and I will give you my perspective and my understanding because, you know, I am still a human, and I this is what I've learned from many places that I've picked up my knowledge and wisdom through over the years and trainings and books and research and just experience. So just to start off, in Chinese medicine, feminine energy is known as yin energy. If you've ever taken a yoga class, say it's like vinyasa, that would be considered a yang or yang, sometimes called practice. Whereas a yin class, we are slowing things down. We are staying in stretches and we're holding them for five minutes. So you can see that contrast of yin and yang. If you've ever seen the yin and yang symbol, that's what that is. You need both. So our mother, if we tie this in, is our first relationship in this world. She she holds us in her womb, and then she's the one that feeds us, whether it's breastfed, like I said, or bottle. So if we are disconnected from mom and family constellations, which is a really amazing practice for doing a lot of this inner child work or healing our relationship to our parents, our ancestors, when we're dealing with things like generational trauma, because it didn't start with your mom and it didn't start with you. It didn't start with grandma. It goes way back and didn't start with anybody. So in this practice, it says if we are disconnected from our mother, we are disconnected from life because she is the one that gives us life. So if we reject mother or if we reject whatever who and what she is or is not, that's going to have an effect in how we show up in this world. So if mom is no longer with you or your relationship to her is complicated and you're also someone who struggles with your relationship to food, maybe you look at that now through a different lens of Maybe it wasn't safe for you to receive pleasure as a child. Maybe you have wounds around pleasure from just things you've experienced as a child, whether it was traumatic experiences related to being sexually abused or maybe like what you witnessed from your mother. You didn't feel nourished and loved by her, that divine feminine energy that you only knew as a child. So this starts to open up and this understanding of our bodies and our relationship to food. Because if we start at the top, we have source energy, universal energy. And then from there down, we have broken down into divine feminine, divine masculine. And from there down, 
when we're a child, say you're three years old or an infant, your parents are your world. So right then and there, the mom and the dad become that reflection of it. And it doesn't mean your mom is 100% feminine energy. It doesn't mean that your dad is 100% masculine. We all possess our own unique cocktail of those, but we have to have those in balance. So I'm just saying from that inner child, that little you version, that's where we start to obtain and understand that programming and that unconscious way of being and our relationship to the divine feminine is through our childhood experiences so our mothers are here to be a reflection of the divine feminine and going back to that example of food our relationship to food is really dependent upon our relationship to our mother because the mother is a symbol of nourishment and as i said food is okay to be this sense of nourishment But if you start to reject, whether it's through extreme calorie deprivation or extreme eating disorders or just feeling guilty that you enjoy eating things like a piece of pizza or a glass of wine, that then starts to carry on and affect your emotions, your habits, your patterns and all areas of your life, but food being a main one. So, I mean, in a perfect world, We have the mom there as that symbol of nourishment, but she's also making sure we are safe. And then that is where that masculine energy comes in is like we always feel safe in the presence of our moms, but not everyone has that experience with their mothers. And so then we have to ask ourselves, how does this affect me today as an adult? So her comfort and her safety and that protection we receive or lack of it plays a large role in who and how you show up today. So uh, repeated experiences of whatever it was is going to affect you long term. So thus becomes this crucial need for us to explore the inner child and go back to childhood. If there is a gap, say if mom was not around, and I gave a really great example with the latchkey kid, where if she was a single mom and she just didn't have the privilege, the and it's unfortunate we call it a privilege in America especially, the privilege to be around and watch her kids grow up because she wanted to make sure that the water was warm and they had food on their plates then this gap becomes a breeding ground where if mom wasn't around, a lot of things like fear and scarcity and figuring out ways on how to protect yourself on your own as a child when that's really not your job. An example I can think of this is say mom was someone that just was emotionally disconnected from herself And she didn't have a great example of a mother, which is usually why this continues to be passed on unless we learn to do otherwise, which I believe a lot of people in today's today's day and age are making those efforts to do so because the energy of the world is a lot different than it was 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So mom's disconnected from her emotions. She doesn't know how to be nourishing and loving in the way that you need. And again, all of our needs and wants are so different. So there becomes this kind of balance where we see or hear a lot of moms or people who want to be parents one day 
I want to give my kid everything that I didn't have, but that's not necessarily what the child needs. So it comes into like being really attentive and tuning in to how, what does this child need? So you being the child, not everyone's going to get it 100% right. Even if you're someone that's woke and does all of this work, I do this work all the time. But I suspect that one day when I'm a parent, my kid's still going to have some things to work through because I am not perfect. I'm a human. And so I'm bound to make at least one or two mistakes in being a parent. So it becomes this job of like taking radical ownership of no one is going to get it 100% right. So there's no need to blame. So that gap, like I mentioned, it just becomes a big breeding ground for a lot of things that just interrupt our feminine balance. When we think about the energy of it, we can refer to the chakras and we could easily say that the second chakra is related to our divine feminine. So this is what we call the sacral chakra. It's orange. It's located underneath the hips, goes around to the low back underneath the navel, I should say, and through the hips and low back to the sacrum, that flat bone right above the glutes. And, you know, it's really interesting. I remember years ago when I wasn't really uh, educated, if you will, this is all still more new information. So this is like six, seven years ago when I was in yoga teacher training and they were talking about how the hips become the junk drawer of the body. And you see this with both men and women, tight low backs and tight hips. I've never met anybody who's like, you know, my hips are so flexible and open. To some degree, we do need that tightness because we have what's called the psoas muscle. If that was not there, we would literally have our legs spinning around like a Barbie doll. So it is there to protect us. But if we are storing a lot of blockage in the form of energy here, our emotions, which is why it's referred to as the emotional junk drawer, it gets really like sticky and tense and rigid on a physical, in a physical way. So if you're someone that's like, yeah, I do have really tight hips or my back is always effed up, then that could be a physical manifestation of that second chakra being affected which has a lot to do with receptivity, receiving, which is all about that juicy goodness of what the divine feminine is. And for ladies listening to this, which is largely my audience, you can even think you are physically built to receive. In a sexual interaction, you are the receiver. So it is that divine feminine that we want to be connected to. It's our natural, it's our most natural loving, highest vibration space to be connected to that. And it's going to feel really good. But if you've had a lifetime of experiences where it was not safe for you to receive, then you don't get to experience that beauty and magic and being in your natural energy, which is the divine feminine. So the divine is really about that flow, that surrender, the emotional experience. It's connected to the energy of water. Whereas the chakra beneath it, the root, is more, we could say, the divine masculine being reflected also above it as well with our solar plexus is that safety, that confidence, that the doing, if you will, taking action. Where in between it's sandwiched, that sacral is all about being the flow. I think of like the beautiful rhythm of ebbing and flowing. And 
a huge misconception. I, and I even was once someone that was super, I have, I'll be honest, I, I am challenged with being in my feminine. I've done a lot of work around it, but I think there's this huge misconception that by being feminine, it's the weaker area of life like it's like being like when we say don't be such a a wuss or don't be such a pussy it's that programming that we've had over decades and decades of decades of like the man is the better he can do things better and women are at a disadvantage because they are weaker but going back to that example of water Mm, the ocean's pretty powerful. I don't know if you've ever been sucked up by a wave, but like that's water flowing, ebbing, flowing, ebbing, flowing. It's still a powerful energy, but we do need both. Too much masculine, it's going to cause issues. And we'll go into that with the divine masculine in the next episode. But too much or too little of divine feminine and imbalance of that is going to cause some things that or shifts that don't feel pleasant in our body and in our lives. A really common way that this affects us is in our relationships. And again, speaking mostly to the women out there of like not claiming your needs and what your desires are, what actually makes you feel good in the relationship. Because we have all this programming, years of it, generational trauma of like, Maybe you didn't see your mom play that role in the relationship. Maybe you did, and it causes you to be the complete opposite where you're too controlling and you need to kind of fine-tune it and bring it back to that middle ground. Our love and our romantic partnerships that we have, they trigger these wounds largely because it transports us back to earlier experiences with mom or dad. And so we have a lot to kind of understand about ourselves from that relationship to mom and dad too. So these blockages, they can show up if like the energy is interrupted and it's almost like I feel like it kind of becomes like a last resort for the body because if I'm just like, oh, I feel, you know, like really passive, I can just kind of let that slide on by. But if my body starts to scream at me and it manifests into physical illness or other things that are causing me imbalance, then I'm more likely to pay attention because it's like check engine lights for the body. If I just ignored the check engine lights on my car, eventually my car is just not going to work. The same thing with our bodies. If we just ignore those subtle little cues and just like, oh, I'll just deal with this one day. And that's where I think like chronic illness and serious illnesses and diseases are those forms of it. You can't tell me someone who's ever been diagnosed with a really serious major illness is like, oh, never had any symptoms of it. The body's main mode is to protect us. So it's going to give us those subtle pieces of information. But if we're not tuned in and tapped in, it's very easy for us to miss those. And then it's like the big boom that comes through. So subtle ones are like just having physical pain and the tightness in our body. If you do all the stretches and you're making sure that your body is mobile and flexible and and it still just feels tense and rigid, like the shoulders up to the ears or the hips really locked in, the low back screaming, these could be signs of an imbalance of your sacral or feminine energy. It can feel also too on an emotional level where you just have this longing to be desired and loved 
But the catch is you're not doing it for yourself. So this can turn into codependency. Another way this can act out also in your habits and patterns is you turning to unsupportive diets. So diets that cause you to lack pleasure where it creates eating disorders, disordered eating habits. And this also creates kind of like emotional blockages where you're someone that's like, I don't cry. I hear a lot of people who say that and it's like, that is for sure a blockage in the divine feminine because water, tears, hello, that is that flowing through you. Everyone, I believe, needs to cry pretty regularly. It doesn't need to be from sadness, but tears literally release toxins. So if you're not crying, all that toxin and toxic energy and that heaviness that you've felt from just being a human is trapped in there. Feeling like it's weak to cry also is a sign that it could be from programming, but also an imbalance in the divine feminine, too much of that masculine, toxic masculinity, if we will. And just like an overall imbalanced lifestyle going into how this can kind of act out in our lives of where maybe you use eating as a way to create pleasure in our lives. If food is your only source of pleasure, that starts to impact your relationship to food. If also, too, you feel like you lack control in your life, this can also be a way in which you try to ground yourself. A really huge example I see this is when people are like, oh, God, I had such a week. I deserve to eat this entire thing of pizza and this big thing, a bottle of wine. I deserve this. And it's because they've lacked pleasure all throughout the week. So a really simple way, and I won't go into this later with my tips, and this is just a bonus tip, is to make sure you're having fun every single day in some way, or you're receiving some type of like joy or love, and you will start to notice your reliance on food for that uh, joy or pleasure. Or if you feel like uh, your time is not yours, you're spending it too much with work and all your other responsibilities, give yourself the gift of time, and you will find that that reliance on food starts to dissipate. Some other really common ways this shows up too in balance is uh, feeling anxious or depressed. And it also can manifest even on a physical level to blood sugar imbalances, acne, unexplainable weight gain, I should say, where you're like, I just keep gaining weight because that could be a protection mechanism. More serious ways I've seen this is PCOS uh, causing that hormonal disruption. Anything to do with the reproductive system, especially for women, uterine fibroids, pelvic inflammatory disease, infertility, hormonal disorders, chronic bacterial infections having to do with wherever that physical location of your sacral is, so beneath the belly button. I've also seen it too where someone's had a history where all the women, herself included, had some type of sexual assault or kind of like disturbance related to this area of their body and whether it was abuse or other type of trauma related to the womb, the extreme example of that can be cancer. And it's not that it's there like, oh, let's just punish this person continuously, but it's there to like, hey, who, who's going to do something about this? So it lands in our body. And like I said, the cancer is an extreme, could be an extreme example of this. And I'm not saying that because you know someone who has cervical cancer, then that definitely means that they have 
some healing that they need to do with their sacral chakra or their divine feminine. But I'm also not saying that that's unlikely. (laughs) I see this time and time again, and I've said this in other episodes of just like, you can tell a lot about someone's physical health by asking about their emotional health. A potential client the other day called me and was telling me about like some serious, serious gut issues she was going through. Can't remember what exactly it was, but it was something basically her intestines were inflamed and she couldn't digest properly. And I was like, tell me a little bit about your situation as a child. Like, did you have a lot of trauma and just you had other things going on? She's like, yeah, how'd you know? Because her body was sending her a message through the physical condition she was having. Unfortunately, Western medicine does not view it this way. And it's marked off as woo-woo or quackery or whatever else you want to call it. But to that, I say, do the mind and body, my head, it's not connected to my body. How, how does that work? Did it just get separated? All those thoughts and feelings I have, they don't, they don't affect those things. If this is something that really interests you, highly encourage you to look up a brilliant doctor called, I don't know, I don't want to botch his name, but I believe it's pronounced Gabor Matei. He has a book called When the Body Says No. And he goes into this mind-body connection. And this is where I love to talk about things. And hopefully a lot of that gets introduced to you through this podcast, this mode. But we need to stop viewing the body as a collection of parts. Like, oh, this is my hand. My shoulder has nothing to do with the pain I'm feeling in my hand. Oh, you know, how the anxiousness has nothing to do with this. It's just the stress. Okay, all of it is connected. We can't just separate it. That's That's not how it works. And if we continue to view it through this lens, then we block off opportunities for us to truly thrive and to heal. And so this divine feminine wound or mother wound has a lot to do with that because these are our first experiences as a human in this lifetime at least. So let's get into kind of just like tips, if you will, like, and this will kind of lead into more information. But if you're someone that's like, yeah, this is definitely me, I find that I don't have a lot of connection to my emotions, or I feel really scared to express them, or I have a lot of trauma related to my mother, I I really want to get better about this, but I don't know where to start. This this is where we're going to dive into that. So the first thing I would actually say to this person, if you were sitting right in front of me and I noticed that there is a wound related to the sacral of the mother is we need to help you build trust. I want you to think of like the interaction of the masculine and the feminine as being like a trust fall. The act of letting go, that's you being feminine. When someone says, just let go, just be, just be free. (laughs) That act requires a lot of trust. So if you're like, I can't just let go. Well, where are you lacking trust in your life? Because the person behind you, that's the foundation. That's the trust. I have to really trust that person behind me in order for me to fall back and surrender. I have to trust the cushion or the thing, the universe, or just have a lot of trust to simply let my body fall. So 
if you want to let go to just be and all those little fluffy things that we're just told as if they're super, super simple when they can be simple, but they're actually complex, is it starts with trust. You have to set that foundation. And this comes largely in the routines we set to our, with ourselves. It comes in the word we set or say to ourselves. It comes in our vocabulary. It comes in our relationships to other people. And it starts really with our parents. If we felt like we couldn't trust our parents as a child, then you will largely feel like you have to question everybody around you because it's, I gave the example last time in the in inner child healing. It's like the kid who's like, oh, I'm just going to jump off the cliff into the water because I just trust that my parents will take care of me. But I was the kid that's like, well, do my parents have insurance? How much is this going to cost them? Oh my gosh, like what if I die? Because I had so much trauma that made me like think 10 steps ahead, those anxious patterns. So if you're, you relate to that where you're like, oh, I definitely just don't jump or I definitely just can't surrender and fall back, it's going to start with you rebuilding that trust. A really, really, really easy way to do this is to start with one simple habit. It could be that you wake up 10 minutes earlier because you want to wake up at 7 a.m. instead of 7.10 because you snooze your alarm. It could be that you floss your teeth every single night. And it could be related to a goal that you're trying to achieve. Maybe it's that you have a vegetable at every single meal that you eat. And it's the key is sticking to it. I can't remember if I said this in my last episode, but you almost want to imagine that little you is sitting right next to you or she or he is waiting for you at the sink to floss your teeth. He or she is waiting for you to not snooze the alarm. Are you going to let her down? Like, imagine you're the five-year-old you who doesn't understand that, oh gosh, like, they're not going to show up. The kid that gets left at the schoolyard because mom or dad forgot to pick him up. That's how I feel. Like, that's going to feel internally. Even though I'm not consciously feeling those emotions, I'm letting myself down when I say that I'm going to do something and then I don't do it. If your partner said they were going to show up for you at your performance or at an award ceremony or just in everyday life things and they consistently didn't, would you trust them? No. Would you do that to your partner that you loved and respected? No. So why are you doing it to yourself? Because maybe you weren't taught to do those things. No one teaches us how to love ourselves. I think that's largely about a huge thing that we're learning as humans as we get older but mom and dad probably didn't have the tools of like this is how you love yourself all they had was a privilege to survive to get through it so that could play a direct role on how you experience life those patterns and those habits just follow you through until you realize like oh shit this isn't serving me it didn't serve her it didn't serve them so I'm going to nip this in the butt so Pick something, anything, and commit to it. And then once you feel like you've fully committed to that, pick another habit, commit to that. And slowly but surely, this is going to build your trust. This can also be very beneficial if you're someone that's like, you feel really ungrounded and like your life feels super chaotic. You need those routines. The kid in you that's like, oh, I don't want to do this thing. 
like you, you have to do that thing because it's going to over time create that structure that that we really thrive with. Otherwise, everything's just going to feel like chaos. So trust is the number one thing that start there, perfect it with yourself and be very careful with your words. If you are not sure you can do something or you're not really sure you're jiving with the idea of waking up at 5 a.m. and running a mile, then be careful that you don't say, I'm going to do that. Maybe you start with just walking for 10 minutes outside with your dog and then build your way up there. Okay, so the second one is once you've built that trust, that foundation, and you can even do this while you are building that trust, is allowing yourself to receive in small ways. The divine feminine is all about receiving. So here's what I want to clue you in on. Receiving is giving and giving is receiving. It's all part of the same thing. It's an energetic exchange. Let's take the example of a compliment. If I pay, think of like money exchange. If I pay someone a compliment, it's like me paying for a service. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it feel weird if I went into a store and I was like, here's $5 for this granola bar. And then the person's like, no, 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 you don't have to really, it's okay. You would be like so confused because that's not part of the energetic exchange. I pay $5 for the granola bar. They give me the granola bar. The energetic exchange is complete. I'm giving, but I'm also receiving. They are receiving the $5, but they're also giving me the granola bar. See, giving is receiving. So same thing. If someone tells you, oh my gosh, I love the color of your shirt. Oh, this old thing. Oh God, no. This is so old. I got it from a thrift shop and there's a little hole. We tend to do this mostly as women. It makes us feel so uncomfortable to receive. And this is a small way you can practice. What do you do? Thank you. I received that. And if you feel like you need to like fill the space, say, I receive that. That's a little practice I do for myself. Like instead of like, oh, well, your eyes are prettier. Your hair is nicer than mine. You have a way nicer shirt. It's not as nice as yours. It's like we have to feel like we have to throw it back because we want to fill that space. So if I rejected the compliment someone gave me or I gave a compliment and I'm like, hi, your shoes are so cute. And then you go, oh, God, no, I hate these shoes. As the person giving it, you interrupted that exchange. The pleasure of you just saying, thank you so much. That made my day is what I receive in return. So by you denying something I'm trying to give to you, a compliment in this case, you you block that energy. The energetic exchange doesn't feel equal. It, it feels awkward. <laughs> Have you ever done that or like where someone gives you a compliment and then you push it away and then they're like, okay, I was trying to be nice. That is you blocking that energy. So giving is receiving and receiving is giving. So if you just need to like change that in your mind of like, it feels so uncomfortable for me to receive. Like, I feel so bad. I feel so guilty. Just know you are also giving in some way and you need this back and forthness, if you will, to complete the exchange. And when you deny things like compliments or someone wanted to do a nice gesture for you, it's almost like you're blocking your abundance too. If you can't even accept a compliment, how is the universe going to gift you that financial abundance or that 
future partner that you're wanting to call in because you're going to sabotage it if you're not ready to receive it. So practice receiving. I almost think of this as like prep work, if you will. If you're actively trying to manifest or call something in, you need to be receptive. You need to not have your arms crossed across your shoulder, your chest, because you need your arms wide open so that you can become a magnet for all the other things that you want to call in. And if you're someone that's like, I struggle with like attracting all the things I want in my life, probably largely has a lot to do with your ability to receive. So practice receiving in small ways because that's the universe almost like previewing. Can she handle this? Can she handle this? Can she handle this? So if someone gives you a compliment, what are you going to say? You're going to say, thank you. I receive that. Number three is pleasure. I mentioned this so many times with food and sex and all the other ways that we can receive pleasure. And so ask yourself, and this could be pleasure slash joy, more of it in your life, please, because humans and myself included, we almost get stuck in the grind of like, okay, what's the next thing that I need to do? Box checking is what I call it. Like being a professional box checker. I am a former one of those where it's like, go to school, get the job, find the person, get married, have the kid, do the thing. Okay. Uh, I'm 65. Okay. Now I can use my abundance. And then I die. Like that's literally how we're trained to exist in this world of like, I'm not allowed to enjoy myself until after I retire. <laughs> and that is just bullshit. Do you think your creator, whomever, whatever the hell is up there, do you think that that was their intention? I do not think that was it. Like you can have pleasure and receive and like do all the wonderful things with your life, like travel the world and all of that after being on the planet for 65 years. No, that, that, that's like a way we, we, we limit ourselves. And so, and I think this is largely why we live in a world where everyone's experienced depression and unhappiness and suicide rates are high because we're, we're trained to believe that like, there's something wrong with like, and I don't, and let's, let me go into that real quick. I don't think that you have to be happy 100% of the time. I also don't think that's part of being a human. You have to learn. And sometimes learning big lessons is not fun and is not happy rainbow and butterflies type work. But I don't think that we're intended to feel miserable going to a job you hate every single day, being in a relationship just to be in a relationship having a kid because you just feel like that's the next best thing and that will make your life happy and exciting. I think a lot of people do do that. And so ask yourself every day, like, does this, does this bring me joy? And there's going to be a lot of things that, I mean, sometimes paying bills isn't joyful, but you could flip the script and be like, it feels so good to have money to pay for my needs. And that feels good because maybe you've been in a point in your life where you didn't have the money to pay for the power bill or the juice subscription that you have or the luxury of whatever it is. So you can change the script in your mind when it comes to the things that just don't necessarily seem joyous or fun. Maybe right now you can't shift out of the job that isn't entirely serving you. So what will you do with the other time that you have to yourself? Is it filled with joyous, pleasurable activities, even if it's just five to 10 minutes a day where you carve out time to actively pursue those desires? So really just tapping into like, 
what is it that I want from my life? Like being very clear, like what you want to receive and how are you co-creating actively day in and day out with the universe? It could just be your mood that you're shifting. If I'm angry and depressed and sad all the time, I am not a magnet for what I desire unless I want to attract more of those things. And I don't think that's what you're trying to attract. So how can you step into the energy as if it were like shoes you were stepping into, the energy of joy and pleasure? For eating, an example I can give a really simple one is put on some lovely music, turn on your Google or Alexa app, and I like to put like classical music on, and then put your food on a plate, arrange it really pretty. You could even use, if you have like dinner napkins uh, or like cloth, like get a really pretty one out that you would only use just for special occasions. That's another way we rob ourselves of that joy. Put it on a pretty plate, sit down to eat. Yeah, those can be like really, like a really big way to just like make it just your lunch on a Tuesday afternoon. But we do these things for Thanksgiving and just the special occasions. And it's like, why do we have to wait for special occasions to experience joy or to give ourselves pleasure in that way. The pleasure of your time is a really big one. So invite more of those pleasurable practices. Maybe it's spending time with people who do light you up and that just feels like a pleasure to have a conversation with somebody who understands you and sees you. When you start to dive more into pleasure practices, and this could be intimacy with yourself. This is not an area I'm coached in, but uh, I, or even just allowing yourself to receive that intimacy and pleasure from your partner, a kiss, or not feeling like you're too busy to hug your partner for five minutes. So these can largely, largely impact your ability to receive in other ways, but it's going to heal your relationship to the divine feminine and that it's not a bad thing to receive pleasure. I think a lot of this too comes from a lot of the clients that I have. I did not grow up religious, but I hear this from a lot of clients that grew up religious is like pleasure is a bad thing. Like masturbation being one like, oh gosh, like you're going to go to hell if you masturbate or if you have sex and it's not for the intention of creating children. So then this trickles into other areas of our life. This is largely, I think, if you're someone who struggles with relationship to food, a huge one. How are you giving yourself pleasure and joy in making your feel safe without the use of food? And you will watch your relationship to food transform. I, I can almost, <laughs> I, I can almost guarantee it. So going into that, a huge way we can really dive into the divine feminine is dancing. And this is one that I've personally explored a large part of this year. I am not a good dancer. I am not a good singer. But you can almost, and on a Saturday afternoon or in the middle of the day, when I need like just to kind of tune back into myself, you can find me dancing and singing with headphones in my ears. And this is just a way to move energy through your body, being fluid, moving your hands, your arms. It doesn't have to be a whole dance session like you're in a boy band or anything like that. You could just shake out energy and move around and just create movement. That's what I mean by dancing. Intuitive movement, we'll call it. And this is a nice way to just think of like that wave being reactivated in your body. That stagnancy, that rigidness, that tenseness is kind of being broken up because you're physically shaking and moving your body. 
I will say I am doing a lot of work in this area and because I, I have a huge, I don't, you know, I don't want to use that word. I've had a lot of challenging or interesting relationships with my biological mother and my relationship to the mother who raised me. So this is an area where I felt like I've been trapped in the doing, the grind, the proving myself and not being overriding my intuition by what I think I should do, that egoic voice. And a way that I've really largely stepped out of that way of living and existing is by dancing. Like, I just love it. And I don't care that I'm not good at it. It brings me so much joy. And it can even create an emotional experience for you. Like, I cry sometimes when I dance. So this is just a simple way. And if you are very uncomfortable with dancing, that can be indicative of your relationship to the divine feminine and all that it encompasses. And lastly, the last little point that I want to dive into, we didn't talk about it a lot is, well, I have two more. So this is the second to last is specifically to the divine feminine is your creativity. So this kind of taps into the dancing and allowing yourself to experience pleasure and joy. But creativity is often something that we just put off to the back burner. You don't need to be creative to make it through life, but we're not trying to just survive. We want to thrive. So you need an expression an outlet for that emotion that is trying to come about through the divine feminine, because that's where we store those emotions, the divine, the sacral. So art, any form of creativity, art could be dancing, art could be singing, art could be painting, art could be, I don't know, making clay sculptures or whatever it is. You don't have to be Van Gogh or any professional. You don't have to make money off of it to dive into some sort of passion. That's a thing that I think we get trapped in is like, how could I make this lucrative? Like just doing it and being a part of that energy just because like you were a kid is a huge way that it can be a lot of healing for you. You could even think about all the little things that you liked to do for fun as a kid. Make bracelets or you could fly a kite <laughs> like when's the last time you flew a kite I don't even remember the last time I did that but you're just watching it there's there's no way you could I mean you, maybe you could be a professional kite flyer but I don't think that exists <laughs> it's just for the joy of seeing something fly in the air and be free and just enjoying the day that's like a very simple example of that so just being more in that creative energy and going back now let's like tap into this last little point not little it's going to be a major one but really focusing on healing your relationship to your mother. And I know that there are some people who have very complicated, unhealthy relationships with their mother, so it's easier for them to cut her out of your life. But you can still do this work internally if it comes from this space of acceptance. If we talk about, if we go into the arena of family constellations, there's uh, this saying that they also say, or one of my teachers, her name is Maureen Selene. I don't know if I'm saying her last name correctly, 
it's French, but you can find her on, if you search my followers or ser- search her name, Marine, S-E-L-E-N-E-E. I'm sure I'll have her on here at one point because she is someone that helped me do a lot of this work. And Family Constellations is just viewing the members of our family like a unit, like we're, we're each a little star, if you will. And so we're all connected. And so it creates this constellation where energy is traveling. So the big saying is when you heal yourself, you heal your family because you change the energy in that constellation, in the dynamic, because you're all connected. And so the saying that my teacher, or maybe it's largely said in the family constellations world, is that what we don't accept in our parents is has a lot to say about what we don't accept in ourselves because our parents created us. So with the mother, for example, like ask yourself, what is it that I'm rejecting? What is that that I'm wanting her to be more of? If it's that she wasn't emotionally available to you, well, are you emotionally available to yourself at this point? Where can you take some radical ownership? And I know like being, even though you're a grown woman in this world, like we still need our parents. And so when we lack one parent or both, or, and especially the mother, it can feel really hard and challenging for those big moments in your life or where you need someone that has your side no matter what. And so if the relationship is strained or unhealthy or your mom's not well, and it is safe for you to just keep yourself away, ask maybe how you how that feels best for you and how you can start healing that relationship to her. She doesn't need to be physically present for you to just be more accepting of who she is and who she is not. Because as long as we're dependent on, well, if she just changed, that is conditional. If is the statement right there. If she did this, then I could do that. It's putting all of that power outside of yourself. So what can you take ownership with? Maybe you can't have a healthy relationship in the physical sense with your mother, but you receive that divine feminine from the universe, that loving energy from Mama Earth or from other figures in your life where you feel like you can look up to. As someone who's done a lot of work in this area, I make it a point to surround myself with women who I feel really deeply inspired by. They don't necessarily have to be older than me in that sense. I do have a few of those figures in my life where I feel like they, they're, they're going to have my back and they're head in life than me. So I can always ask them and reach out to them for advice. But I have a lot of female friends that I feel like what's the word like that I I feel very supported by so in some way that has helped me heal my relationship to the divine feminine because I have all these amazing examples of the divine feminine and other women it does not just have to come from your mother if your mother is still in your life again like that blame or that conditional if she was this then I could be blah 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 taking that ownership, of course, but also like making it a point to communicate with one another and working on yourself in conjunction with maybe you do therapy or counseling or coaching together. It's very important. And what I will say is the more I've worked on myself, the more I've seen, and this is going from that space of like blame to ownership, like I have been in that space, but the more I've done work on myself, 
it is wild to see all the shifts and the people around me in my family, with my friends, because we are all connected. And so doing this work for yourself because little you deserves it and you're setting a new example, a new foundation for all the generations to come is so key to the healing and maybe the changes you want to see. There's an amazing quote by Gandhi, be the change you wish to see, be the person you wish to meet. So I mean, for example, something I can think of off the top of my head is when I was younger, my mom struggled with her relationship to alcohol and she was an alcoholic. And it it really, really impacted our relationship. Even after she stopped drinking, there was still things to be resolved because of how my emotional needs, I, they didn't feel met as a child. So as an adult, that caused me to distance from her. And then the alcohol was just like, the big scary monster in the room like oh gosh like I don't even want to be around her when she's drinking and so instead of telling her you need to get your life in order you need to stop drinking or I'm not going to be around her I just really as hard as it was just focused and worked on myself and one day she just came and said I'm going to stop drinking and she has it's been four years and from there she's gone on like to even deeper healing journeys so I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like this shit is real. Like this, like I, you, I, you can change the dynamic of your family, but you can't do it with the expectation of I'm just doing this so everyone else around me changes. You're of course, you're going to get the benefit of that if you keep going it, but not everyone's going to perform how you want them to. And that's kind of the point of how can you still keep your heart open and heal with all of what you've experienced without the expectation that mom needs to change, that dad needs to change. So doing what you can in whatever way feels safe and comfortable for you at this point in your journey is crucial in healing the relationship to the mother and that mother wound. But if mom is not in your life, you don't need her to be physically present to do this inner work. There are a few books that I'm going to recommend to those of you who want more um, to dive into this topic of generational trauma and the mother wound. Um, the first book I'm going to recommend to you is called It Didn't Start With You. And this is based on the practice of family constellations. And it's a really nice shift of perspective, if you will, of going into we are all connected, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are doomed because mom did this, grandma did this, etc. The second book I'm going to recommend is by Maureen, and it's called Connected Fates, Separate Destinies, Using Family Constellations Therapy to Recover from Inherited Stories and Trauma. And she is someone that I've personally worked with in a group setting and an individual setting and I highly recommend that you read her book to begin. I will uh, definitely at some point have her on the show because she's been a key player in exposing me to different things to help me heal these wounds and a lot of the things that I've talked about today and the family constellations mentions that I've brought in today's episode is things I've learned from her so she's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this topic so definitely go check out her book Whew. okay that was a lot of information and I still feel like I just scratched the surface if you are someone that's like 
I you're seeking support marine is a obviously good source that's who I've seen but I also do do this work in an individual setting I do what I call inner child healing sessions and especially if you're someone that struggles with eating or your nutrition and you feel like largely it has to do with your emotional experience finding some type of practitioner who specializes in emotional eating and has this understanding and resonates maybe with your perspective of it from an energetic sense or from an inner child healing sense is largely beneficial to you I do work with people virtually but I know sometimes people like to work with practitioners in person. So do your research and find people that really resonate with you because I have found that this unique approach of connecting food, especially to the mother wound and this idea of opening up our ability to receive is a huge, it's a huge gap in the health industry. And I hope something spoke to you loud if you're that person that's struggling with your health and maybe have the added layer of childhood trauma related to the mother wound or the divine feminine. Just take a deep breath. <laughs> I'm doing that for myself. But I thank you so much for tuning in today. And as always, if you have questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram. My handle is at eclectic, E-C-L-E-C-T-I-C dot wellness. We do have a Facebook group that is connected to listeners of the podcast. It's the old podcast name I used to go by, Nutrition for the Soul. So I've kept the name the same on the Facebook group. So people who are listening to older episodes will be able to find us. So Nutrition for the Soul, if you search us on Facebook, uh, that's where I keep everyone connected and everyone that's listening kind of connects with each other. I also host live challenges and series in there all the time that are free. So I hope to stay with you um, through the next episode. We will be going into the father wound and the divine masculine, and that will conclude this inner child healing series. And then we'll kind of start to take a different turn. Very all connected, of course. So thank you so much for tuning in today. And I'm sending you so much love and light on your journey. Bye.